I'm Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. Thanks to everyone for being patient with me as I continue some big research projects that I will, I promise, fill everyone in on when the time is right. Um, But I'm in today, and I will also be in for a show tomorrow, because tonight, as we're recording this, is the State of the Union address, and I like to respond to Joe Biden and uh, break down some of the stuff he's saying, and I think it's important to do that. So we'll do that on tomorrow's show, and then we'll have another podcast for you then. Uh, we begin today's show with a examination of the latest details of the China spy balloon saga, Joe Biden's weakness, and a lot of fake news surrounding the events, a lot of flashbang grenades being set off by the Biden administration and the media. And we try to break down for you what we know and what it all could mean. But I'll tell you one of the conclusions is yet again, Joe Biden looks bad on the world stage. Uh, We do a brief preview of the State of the Union address. We give some details of the horrific Turkey earthquake, which could really have some significant geopolitical fallout aside from the human devastation. Uh, It's going to create, I think, a big void for some of America's uh, adversaries to step in. I think that there has been reports that ISIS criminals could get released and also it could drive up prices of energy. So it's really, really bad thing for a million different reasons. And I try to give some details there. There's a long woke update today. Lots of really horrific stuff uh, starting from Disney and emanating from there and other topics get covered in the opening as well. Our guest today is Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa, who details her trip to San Diego, where she went to the border. She also met with Mexican officials in Mexico City. She's trying to engage Mexican leaders to stop the flow of fentanyl into our country. We discuss that, and then I get her take on the Chinese spy balloon, wasted COVID relief money, and more. All that to come. Let's get into it. So China spy balloon mayhem is what's going on. We're in a fake news moment of the China spy balloon mayhem where the media is setting off a lot of flashbang grenades. So we talk about stuff other than that Joe Biden allowed for a Chinese spy balloon to not just float over our country connecting uh, God knows what data, but then to traverse the country for several more days while he equivocated on whether or not to shoot it down or where. So in a watch, the media jump through hoops has been entertaining, but also disturbing. We went very quickly from it is entirely too dangerous for Joe Biden to shoot down the spy balloon. We don't know what the uh, debris radius, the debris field is going to be like. People could really get hurt from this thing because keep in mind, it's not just air and helium. I mean, this is a, you know, there's some some metal here that's going to hit some things. And you know what? There might be a cow that's down there. We don't want a cow to get hurt. I mean, though cows are causing global warming, but there's a lot of cows in the middle of this country. And, you know, there's some corn corn out there and we don't want to ruin the corn and maybe someone has got a brand new um, a Chevy Bolt that hasn't lit on fire yet and we want to make sure nothing falls on that so we can't shoot it down we got to let it fly over the country for a few more days um, and then once Biden shoots it down then everyone is doing the dark branded memes like he's really just some terrific president and he knows exactly what he's doing and he's super super smart we're all dumb 
So I it it was I think a little too obvious. I think everyone kind of admits not a great look, but they did they did attempt that one on us. Um, and then the next one is coming from China. China is saying that the United States is way overreacting by shooting down their spy balloons surveilling our country. China does this thing where they let these balloons out, and I think. Uh, they're not the most reliable on this, but I think the Daily Mail counted that there's been five recently that there's some data uh, suggesting that that's been around. Uh, I, I don't know where they got that number exactly, and I don't know if I trust them because they're sort of tabloidy, but that was that was what they... Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. There's been 10 spy balloons, um, and at least one or two others have floated over the United States or very close to the United States recently, and um, several of them were allegedly spotted during the Trump administration. I'll give you more on that in a moment. Uh, but these are not entirely uncommon. We've tracked them quite a bit at Breitbart News. I know John Hayward will say this when he joins me on the broadcast, that the, the lay, they let these things out. They call them weather balloons. They generally apologize when they go off track, and who knows what kind of data they're getting out of it. And uh, until now, they've not been a big deal, a big concern for anyone. And now this was just way too much, just floating over the United States and um, perhaps over facilities where there could be uh, some top secret things that are done, then we don't know exactly what they're up to. It'd be nice to know what they're up to. It'd be nice to know the exact purpose of this of this spy balloon. Uh, but China is now accusing the U.S. of being uh, using indiscriminate use of force on the balloon, which I find to be very bold and somewhat alarming. And I know you guys did, too, because when we posted this at Breitbart News, um, that I know there was a huge response at Breitbart.com. And, uh, the, and they, China's doubled down on it, which is what they often do. And this has been the pattern of any of our geopolitical foes because in the Biden era, there's not a really a big precedent. Uh, the, the, the Biden doctrine is to, you know how they say, uh, speak, uh, speak softly and carry a big stick? Uh, the, the Biden doctrine is to speak loudly and to carry a very small and floppy stick. How about that? I'm coming up with that on the fly. I, I'll, I'll hone that over time. But you guys see my point on this. So they don't really think Biden's going to do anything. He would have done stuff a long time ago over other stuff. Like, I don't know, inflicting a pandemic on the planet, probably from a botched bioweapon experiment in a lab in Wuhan, China. Uh, Biden seems to have no interest in that. So I, I can't I can't think that he's, you know, going to go too crazy over the spy balloon. Um, so China saying, well, why not? Let's, let's just attack, attack Biden, attack the United States. They're always a bad guy. They got this one wrong. And that's sort of been the approach. But again, it is, um, it, 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 it's something worth mentioning, but it also does distract from the main point, which is like, what was China up to? What should Joe Biden have done immediately? And what should he do now as repercussions? And I do want your take on that 866-95-PATRIOT if you would like to share and answer that question. What do you believe should have been done right away? What do you think should be done now? What do you think will be done? I think it'll be probably almost nothing. So anyway, so a Chinese surveillance balloon flew near Texas during the Trump administration, according to certain defense officials. Um, there were a couple of balloons spotted over Hawaii or near Hawaii. One during the Trump years, one during the Biden years. There was another one that was near Guam during the Trump years. Another one near the Coronado, California base during the Trump years. 
one just south of Texas during the military uh, uh, near a military base there. Uh, also Trump years. But this data is why are we just hearing about it now? This has caused a lot of confusion because yesterday I woke up and everyone was talking about how this is a pretty common thing. happens all the time. happened a lot under Trump. Then later in the day, we were told actually it was all fake news. It didn't happen under Trump. Uh, John Ratcliffe came out, director of national intelligence, previously in the Congress, uh, generally seen as a, a pretty, pretty straight shooter and smart guy, well-informed on his job saying actually none of that ever happened under Trump. Then there were rumors that stuff did happen under Trump and Trump was never informed of it. But even John Bolton, who is, I guess, running for president and probably against Trump, was out there saying, well, how are we supposed to believe? First of all, as far as I know, there were no spy balloons when I was um, national security advisor to Trump. But second of all, how are they tracking it so that they're just learning about them now? Because this is the latest flashbang, is that they figured out that these spy balloons were taking place recently. Recently, we learned that the spy balloons were out there uh, during the Trump years. So well, he says, why wouldn't we have gotten the data at the time? Why are we getting it now? It doesn't make sense. Who's tracking this and how are they credible? And the point is, none of us know, unless you're in a very small, narrow part of the U.S. government, you're not going to be able to understand and answer this question. And so that means we're talking about this and not how horrible China is. We're talking about whether or not Trump is horrible and whether or not Trump's um, cabinet or Trump's generals were betraying him, whether or not they were aware of these things and not sharing the information. We're not totally aware of how bad the information is because we really don't know what China can track with these things, especially considering how we have such a muted reaction to other things they do. We literally have TikTok, which is Chinese government surveillance, and we know it, in apps that is installed currently on U.S. government phones and other devices, and we don't ban it. There's no excuse for it. There's zero. It's the biggest no-brainer in the history of mankind is banning TikTok from U.S. government devices. It's not, it has not been done yet. It, 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 that is a clown country decision that we have not done that. China doesn't even allow for TikTok at the level we have it because it's basically mind control anyway. And it's also heavy surveillance. We don't do anything. So then the thought is, so, like, so what, what are these balloons? What could they possibly be getting? I would like to know the answer. We're not talking about that. And so we're talking about whether or not um, uh, the, the, what China's narrative is, which is that America's too aggressive, obvious overreaction. And they said flat out, we may shoot down U.S. aircraft. Now, China's not going to do that. But they're broadcasting to their people that they are the tough ones and we are the weak ones. So I am curious what your take is on all these. The Uyghurs are happy that we shot it down. That was good. Saying the Chinese must never be allowed to go unpunished. Uyghur Muslims famously uh, a massive concentration camp in the Xinjiang region of China right now. That the world only brings up when it's convenient. Aside from a Breitbart. General Glenn Van Herc, commander of the North American Aerospace Defense Command, NORAD, which apparently does um, more than just track Santa Claus once a year. And uh, the Northern Command, NORTHCOM, admitted on Monday that the U.S. Joint 
organization with Canada missed previous incursions of Chinese spy balloons, including during the Trump administration. My point is about this is that, is this good or bad for Trump? Does it show that Trump again was getting hosed by his generals? Is it bad because Trump wasn't on top of this? But most importantly, should we even bother talking about this? We should really be talking about what a bad guy uh, Biden is. And how bad China is. But then how much can we really say about it? Because we don't really know what the balloon was tracking. All right, uh, it's sort of frustrating, and I'm coming into it at a very frustrating part of the news cycle, but I do want your take if you have it. Um, a Democrat Congresswoman Judy Chu of California, who voted against the creation of a House committee to investigate China, is now serving as the honorary chairwoman of an organization that allegedly is a front for Chinese intelligence. Jordan Dixon Hamilton wrote this up for us at Breitbart and the Daily Caller, um, I think, discovered this first. In, it was, I think it was in 2019 that they got a sniff of this. But she was the honorary chairwoman of the Forums for Peaceful Reunification of China, an organization that, so, that is opposed to Taiwanese independence. And she received her position during the organization's 31st Executive Committee inauguration ceremony. Nice. So she's been involved with the group for a long time. And... Um, I think it's just noteworthy that we don't care about this stuff in our Congress and in our press. Our press is uninterested. They don't take China seriously, and why would they? As I documented in Breaking the News, nearly every major media outlet is deeply tied to China. And the ones with fewer exceptions are easier in China. I mean, I'm, the ones with fewer exceptions are... are, are um, tougher on China, like CNN, AT&T, Time Warner that own CNN is not as deeply tied to China as Disney and ABC. So you might see a little bit better China coverage from them. But overall, you're not going to see Bloomberg and Disney and ABC and NBC and MSNBC, places that have their conglomerates do mega business in China. They're not going to be that curious about these matters. Because if China boots them out, then they're redoing all their accounting for the year. China cuts out their access, and not just to news, to movies, to theme parks, to uh, access financial information, all these things the CCP controls. That's why so many of us are concerned this is going to come to a head. I don't think the Chinese military wants hot war with America. I don't think America wants hot war with China. Um, I don't think either country has a lot of respect for the other one. But I do think overall that it is, if we do enter a world where there are two clear superpowers like this, which seems like that's where we're going, and it is, we're so incompatible on it seems like almost everything. Where does it go? It's concerning. It's concerning a long-term issue. Um, all right, so the State of the Union is tonight, and if you have any expectations for it, or if you will not be watching, if you're excited to watch, I'm curious your opinions on that. You can call and chime in. Uh, I'll give you a few things that I am seeing teased by the media. Again, this is all efforts by Dark Brandon to try to get some 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 uh, uh, hype. Um, he is going to demand amnesty for illegal aliens in the State of the Union which should surprise almost no one. Um, I do think if you are a reader, and I hope many of you are, considering I run a website, and if you're not a reader, you're, you're not helping me out. 
Um, I would recommend everyone hunt down Emma Jo Morris's piece where she went to a new migrant tent city that is popping up. By migrant, I mean the vast majority are illegal aliens. Um, horrific squalor in New York as the, some of the illegal aliens are getting kicked out of luxury hotels and uh, being put on the street in little tent cities. And a lot of them are very unhappy about it because they don't like the conditions that they are being forced to live under, even though they came to our country illegally with no plan and no money and no ability to take care of themselves and have just thrown themselves in the mercy of not just the U.S. government, but of you, the taxpayer. And it's a, it's a sad sign, um, but it's good to get the firsthand coverage. It's, it's very sad. It's darkly funny. It's very pathetic. Um, that we don't take our borders seriously in the slightest. They're demanding work permits. They're demanding better conditions. And why wouldn't they? Because they normally get them. There's so many bleeding hearts in our country, in our politics, that even if you're entitled to nothing, if you demand it, and you can claim some sort of woke points, you have some aggrieved status, you're a minority, you're a illegal alien, you're a LGBTQ plus, one spirit, two spirit, three spirit, four spirit even, don't forget the four spirits, you're entitled to more privileges. Privileges. So that's the move they're making. The beds aren't beds, they're cots. We have to sleep piled up on each other. There are a few who have bad smells. The bathrooms don't have hot water. The heating is very bad and the transport only works a few hours, one of them told Emma Joe. Okay, well, you know, you could, you could try not coming in illegally. That'd be, be where I would start. But anyway, uh, Joe Biden will demand more taxpayer resources and more special accommodations. Uh, it will be pro forma. There'll be no amnesty under uh, his, unless it's an executive amnesty uh, with Republicans in the Congress. I think Republicans get that. That that is a, unless you're retiring, you cannot vote for that stuff. Something that I have some uh, a personal degree of pride in, but we'll have to be ever vigilant on it because you know the Republican establishment would be totally fine with it. Um, uh, the New York Times has started setting narrative on Biden's behalf, putting out an article that there are will be no tricks to conquer a stutter because they like to say when Biden has his brain freezes that he really is a stutter. I'm entirely unsympathetic to this. Something that some of you who are longtime eagle-eared listeners know that I've pointed out once or twice in the past, uh, that I went through speech therapy not just once, but twice. And somehow, by the time I was in my late 20s, I was on national radio. So, if any of you seen the movie The King's Speech? Probably, yeah, I was pretty good. But I don't um, sympathize that he's been giving speeches publicly for 50-odd years. It, look, it's just not that bad. There, there's some stutters that are truly debilitating and there are others you can fight through it. it. It is all an amazing thing that we all love when we are hearing a Martin Luther King or we're hearing a... Name your favorite talk show host who never ever misses a beat. They, they, they used to be the job. I understand this. I'm a talk radio junkie. I know a lot of people used to be in order to get on air. You would have to speak for an hour not miss a syllable. But it hasn't been like that for a long time. And that has not been the demands of our world leaders for a long time. In fact, some of the most charming moments of Trump's speeches, and Trump was a pretty gifted, or is a pretty gifted public speaker, when he's had a little caffeine. I don't know what that announcement was like. That was that was odd. Low energy announcement. But, you know, it's gifted naturally. It's not like he speaks perfectly. 
So New York Times already presetting narrative that Biden will stutter. And he should be forgiven for it. Let's not forget. He's really triumphed over that stutter. Um, the one thing that will come up will be the debt ceiling. Um, Joe Biden and Kevin McCarthy seem to be at odds on this one as they will be on just about everything. Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, so he is the person who gets to extend the invitation to the State of the Union. So they're going to be working on the debt ceiling, but what does that mean? Uh, I would like the debt ceiling to remain, even though it is a humiliation that we do this pro forma fight about it. And uh, it just seems like once we drop it, which I wouldn't be shocked if we did one day, I think it is just a sign that we're committing to, we're, we're, we're beginning the long, slow uh, decline of this country, and we've all, we're all admitting it to ourselves. If we're not even pretending like we're going to try to be fiscally responsible anymore. And as you know, as I've said before and again, I, I don't believe that there's need to have no debt ever. You need to be a total debt deficit hawk. I think you can stifle growth by being too preoccupied with that stuff. But obviously, we've let it get out of hand. And uh, we're running the risk of spending way too much of our money on just interest just to maintain it. So how's Biden going to address that sort of thing? Well, he wants a billionaire tax. And I am just generally negative on tax hikes in general. I don't think they work on an economic level. And I think that it's offensive what the government spends money on and how much we're taxed. Um, maybe I'm in a uniquely horrible part of the tax bracket. I think I am. But I will tell you, it is a daily, my tax burden is a daily thought in my mind. And yes, I understand I cannot relate to billionaires. I've uh, known a few over the years. They live a totally different lifestyle than I do. But uh, I think that more taxes is just a mentality that we need to not accept. We need to have ultra low, if not zero tolerance for tax hikes. Government just wastes all our money. If he was using it for border walls and for incredible health care and for um, the, the most impressive military on earth, then I would, you know, we could talk about it. But we don't get a border wall. Ukraine does. We don't get the best generals. We get Mark Milley and Lloyd Austin. We get guys who are, uh, you know, in uh, holding a position until they can go back to Raytheon and go make some more money. And then we get other guys who want to uh, understand our white rage before they do another mandate and then uh, do some CRT indoctrination. So if they were justifying where all the money goes, then fine. But it's just not. We just are not. We don't have the education that we deserve with all that we pay into it. We don't have the health care that we deserve with all that we pay into it. So we, we got to stop giving them more money. I don't think I need to convince this audience of that. But it is, well, they're billionaires. Who cares? Well, I, I, I think it's the principle matters. To confiscate at gunpoint, which is what it is, more of your money to waste it the way that they do, is not one that I'm comfortable with. Okay. Uh, thousands of people are dead in this earthquake in Turkey, which is really in Kurdistan. Uh, this is not the part of Turkey that is touristy and where people go to hang out and to see Turkey the way it's you know portrayed in the media. So, But that makes it much, much more deadly, devastating. Lots of aftershocks. 4,000 dead already, including some in Syria. Uh, th this is one of these ones where 
it's very challenging on talk radio to talk about these things and to offer a lot of insta- uh, insight. So I'm always relieved that I can recommend to you Breitbart.com. Um, we'll ask John Hayward some of the details. He put together a pretty amazing photo and video essay for us at Breitbart News. But it's devastating human scenes. And we talk about so much uh, in the news and even on this show, though I would like to think that this show um, talks mostly about important stuff. Uh, but, you know, 4,000 people dying in a natural disaster. It is it, it does humble you. And it does make you appreciate some of the things that America's got going for us. That we do have infrastructure where you would like to think that those days are behind us. But not everyone around the world. And um, internationally, it is not entirely uncommon that uh, nations could be susceptible to this. So very sad stuff, scary, and we'll have all the tales for you. Breitbart.com, we'll get some more with Hayward. All right, uh, we will get into, before we go to the phones, um, we will get into a woke update. So Disney has sparked some outrage because they've got this new cartoon called The Proud Family where it talks to children about how America was built on slavery and we need reparations. And Lincoln had no desire to liberate the slaves. What have you done for me lately, Lincoln? The man who freed the slaves wasn't ideologically pure enough. So getting canceled by Disney. Uh, just to let you know, anything that Ron DeSantis has done, anything that we in talk radio have done, anything that uh, all of the people who have done some tireless reporting on Disney, um, anything they've done uh, to expose what these people are doing uh, is, not, is not enough. It's not enough. And I know that there's thousands and thousands of Disney employees out there and not all of them are part of this, but they won't stop trying to ruin the Disney experience for people who have become, who have come to beloved the brand over the, whatever it is, hundred year history it's had. And I will tell you, and this is probably partially because of my, my focus a little split, um, but the, it finally happened and I knew it would where I threw on the Proud Family before I realized what it was in my house because we have the Disney app. I've said this, I uh, admit it, because I'm not going to deprive my kids of classic Disney and Pixar because I hate the current management of Disney. And if that means that they got to get, you know, $11 a month, then um, uh, it makes me sad, um, but it's, you know, a necessary evil. And the animation is very appealing. And Master Marla wanted me to throw it on, so I did. And immediately it's like, what is going on here? This is the wokest thing I've ever seen. They even work in a trans character. Um, they've got a white woman holding up a sign that says still have still has not atoned. It took like five minutes. And um, I was there with uh, my pop, Robert. He was there staying with me and we were talking about it. We we're going, what is like, this is real. This is really happening. A lot of black power fists. A lot of really tough and cool black animated characters. A lot of really pathetic white characters. Just uh, unbelievable how aggressive they are. It's the most aggressive that I've seen. There's some stuff where, you know, they put out something like this thing, Baymax, which is, I think it's like a male, a male um, ghost-like robot or something. And then eventually you learn he's a menstrual period. So it's like light indoctrination. You're like, well, that's really weird and not appropriate 
and I won't be showing that to my kids. This is when they just come right out and right away, reparations, America's bad, rooted on slavery, and even the man who freed the slaves is not pure enough for us. So it's tough. It's tough. Try try to do something, even if you're like me and you can't totally avoid Disney because of the nature of how old your kids are and how few options there are, how the rights still created zero options um, to counter this pretty much. I know there's a couple of things that are popping up online, which I appreciate. I know PragerU's trying their best, but there, there just isn't enough to counter it. Um, but try to do something to continue to make sure that Disney's stock continues to, to, to go down. Um, Harvard has quietly shuttered a misinformation program that cast doubt on Hunter Biden's laptop story. They put a woman in charge, um, what is her name, Dr. Joan Donovan, who was uh, pro, who had suggested the Hunter Biden laptop story was a big hoax, and she'd been put in charge of uh, disinformation at the Harvard Shorenstein Center on Media Politics and Public Policy, and uh, they shut that down, which is nice. Uh, as people realize, the Hunter Biden laptop story was obviously true. All right, we got a U.S. skier. Um, looking very cool, donning um, climate change themed race suits at the world event. Travis Ganong and the rest of the U.S. ski team, including Michaela Schifrin, will be wearing climate change themed outfit. And they want everyone to know about climate change while they do downhill skiing in the snow. Although a race suit is not solving climate change, it is a move to continue the conversation and show the U.S. ski and snowboard and its athletes are committed to being a part of the future, said Sophie Goldschmidt, the present CEO of U.S. Ski and Snowboard. I don't even totally understand this. Oh yeah, it depicts ice chunks floating in the ocean. Concept based on satellite photos of icebergs due to high temperatures. Uh, have you guys had a particularly warm winter again? I was just seeing a photo that was going viral in Cape Cod of a frozen shark. We had record colds in the Northeast. Large shark washed ashore in Cape Cod, frozen to death, apparently. Hard to know exactly when the shark died, but uh, that was going viral. Um, as I think I mentioned one other time on the show, you know how much uh, Snow, uh, uh, Lake Tahoe got on the California-Nevada border this year. 300 inches. 300 inches of snow. You know what it is, though? The Paris Accords, they're working. They're working. I know the goal with Paris is to try to get those temperatures down a degree or so over 100 years. Nah, it's already kicked in. So it, it, what are we supposed to see here? We can't see it with our own two eyes. And so we're supposed to, you know, eat synthetic beef. Uh, has Michael Bloomberg given up any of his 50 million homes? How many homes does he have? I heard it's 11. That's got to be exaggeration, though. Has Bill Gates given up his homes, or is he still building a new complex and gated community in Palm Springs to add to whatever other real estate portfolio he's got? Uh, did Davos ban private planes? Are we just going to do this thing? We're going to act like global warming is happening, and we're causing it and we need to give up more of our freedoms because of it when we're seeing stuff like this. And we can't just have downhill skiing in the snow. We have to think about climate change while we're watching people ski in the snow. Pathetic and sad. 
All right, I'm continuing with woke stuff. Uh, a man who identifies as a woman is elected to lead the Democrat women's group in Rhode Island. That's nice. 75-year-old man identifies as a woman, recently won an election, chair of the Rhode Island Democrats Women's Caucus. This is the type of stuff that makes identity politics for women who I think are not third-wave feminists, but generally want women to be free and equal to men. I think he's getting fed up with this stuff. Um, women fought for a long time to try to get the vote, took way too long. And then they fought, I think, really hard to be able to feel free to go work if they want to work and not just be trapped in the home if they don't want to be and let people choose what they want to do with their life. And now we're at this thing where we're giving the seat to the head of women's boards to men and we're letting men beat women in women's college sports. So if you're an actual feminist, should this infuriate you? It would if you didn't see feminism as a way to get to Marxism. If you thought feminism was actually about women, then yeah, you're upset. But if you think of feminism the way Black Lives Matter thinks of race relations, which is that it's really a, a means to get to Marxism, then um, you're probably okay with this because it does create this chaos. It makes you think the American experiment was, was kind of stupid. All right, I always enjoy talking to Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa. We begin with her reaction and what she knows about the China's spy balloon. So we get uh, all the information that she's willing to convey at this time and get the open questions that she's curious about. And then we detail some of her trip down to the border where she really, I think, uh, made a pretty scary warning about how bad the fentanyl situation is down there and uh, updated sophisticated techniques the cartels are using to get the fentanyl into our country and to really ruin a lot of American lives. Uh, something that has been widely ignored by many Washington politicians, but also Mexican politicians, which she addresses. And uh, she's made an appeal to Mexican leaders uh, as well to start stepping up their game. And she's more optimistic than I am on it, but uh, you'll want to get her take. Um, and that is, uh, that is it before we get into the COVID relief money and other topics as well. Let's hear the interview. Um, Senator, it's great to talk to you. I really want to talk to you about your, your border trip, but I, I'm sure you could guess with this audience what the topic of the day has been. It has been more Chinese spy balloon mystery. Oh, yeah. uh, do you feel like uh, you're a senator, you're a veteran. Uh, do you feel like you're getting clear answers and a clear understanding of what this balloon was doing, how it got here? why we waited to shoot it down? Did we glean any the material or information from the balloon before we shot it down or after? Uh, it just seems like there's so many questions and almost no answers for me, but maybe that's just from my vantage point. Right. A lot of questions hanging out there. And I fortunately have been able to visit with folks at the Department of Defense and uh, get their perspective on it. But you know, it comes back to transparency and the fact that this was a Chinese balloon. And if the administration determined there wasn't a great risk, then the commander in chief should have been very, very uh, out there in front of this publicly reassuring the American people. Um, and really, this president, if you look at all of the debacles we have seen over the past two years of his administration, you know, he can't clearly execute a mission. 
And again, if this posed no threat to the American people, why weren't they transparent about it? Right. Um, so I'm looking forward to hearing more uh, coming from the administration on why they did what they did or did not do. We will have additional briefings, and I, I understand we were supposed to get a briefing next week, but I believe it has been moved up because so many of us are concerned about what they're telling us or what they're not telling us. Uh, Senator, what do you think is the worst case scenario in terms of what this balloon was able to accomplish and, and what is the best case scenario? Because China is treating it as though that we had some big major overreaction. Um, uh, the, it's a, It's been floated to me that maybe this is some sort of a trial balloon if they could get a missile over the country. Uh, China says it's a weather balloon. I, I, obviously, there's a lot of um, uh, sites there that are significant in bases, so I don't know if they're trying to get if they're trying to get uh, some other calculation that is made. But again, I would love the answers to this. What do you think is the best and worst case scenario? Well, I think the uh, best case scenario is you're simply looking at something like uh, Google Earth, maybe. Uh, You know, there's a lot of images that exist out there already from commercially available platforms. Um, So that would be maybe the best case scenario. But yeah, the worst case scenario, you just listed them off, Alex. I think it's, um, you know, one of those things where our mind is racing. And this is where we need the administration to fill us in on on some of these gaps. Are they, you know, plotting out where maybe missile sites are or bases are? Um, Again, a lot of that you can get even off of Google Earth. But, you know, we need to know what type of information was being gathered and how was it being transmitted. And that, I hope, we're able to recover um, from the debris that was shot down uh, the other day. So there's, there's so much unknown. And, again, it goes back to if only this administration would be more transparent. For heaven's sakes, if normal American folks can see this thing, tra- you know, traversing over the United States, then why didn't they just go ahead and, and give us a heads up and say, hey, we know it's out there. There is no threat here. Or if there was a threat, oh, my heavens, we should know that as well. So, exactly. again, the administration, they're not forthcoming on anything. And I think hopefully this has literally been inflated, you know, to be more than it was. But it really raises some serious national security issues. Yeah, I am interested if we're going to recover any information from the debris. I'm guessing not uh, by nature of the way that the Biden administration waited to a specific moment to shoot it down, which was very curious to me. Um, But it's uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. On 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 that one, um, Senator, let's talk a little bit about your trip. You went down the U.S.-Mexico border, specifically in San Diego, uh, and in this speaks to me personally as a, a native Californian. How the San Diego border is it, it's smaller and uh, it is more secure than the parts of the Texas border and the Arizona border, uh, but it is still a real hotbed for cartel and drug trafficking. And you know, California has been just just devastated by illegal immigration. Over the last few decades, it's just sort of a one-party state, so we all ignore it for some reason. Um, But tell me about why you went down there, what you saw. Give me the details. Yes, I led a 
bicameral congressional delegation, and we went to the San Diego sector of the U.S.-Mexico border, and we went into Mexico City, Mexico, uh, to really hear what we are doing, our agencies are doing in Mexico, with their Mexican counterparts. Um, so as we went to the San Diego sector, what we saw uh, for everyone's information, this port of entry in San Diego is the world's busiest land border crossing. And it really is what CBP would describe, what we would describe as the epicenter of fentanyl trafficking. So at this port of entry, they have 34 lanes for vehicle traffic and about 70,000 vehicles and 20,000 pedestrians cross every single day. So while we were there, we were able to go out with CBP and we encountered migrants. There was a group of migrants that had already been rounded up. It was the middle of the day. The migrants in this group, they were from Turkey and China. Yeah. These are not people from Mexico or Central America. And what the Border Patrol said, they feel more like Uber drivers because they're rounding people up, dropping them off, turning them loose into the United States. Um, so there were a lot of takeaways from the trip. One, we've got to continue to improve our relations with Mexico. Uh, we do a lot of finger pointing back and forth, but we have to have real solutions. And the Biden administration needs to create an interagency task force in Mexico to stop the flow of drugs. These fentanyl pills are killing Americans. And what I saw at the, the uh, entry point is that we have a few dogs that can sniff out drugs, but not nearly enough. We need more of those canine units to de detect those drugs as they're coming into the country because they are running them in through cars and vehicles. And what we heard is the cartels will run 10 different vehicles filled with drugs through the port of entry with the hopes that eight of them get through. They know that a couple will be caught, um, but they are flooding America with poison and it's got to end. Yeah, it's a and these dogs are amazing. And I know that it's a lot of effort to get them trained up and it's a uh, it is it is a big undertaking, but it just doesn't seem like this administration is actually serious about enforcing the border, directing attention to the border. And it is uh, been one of the great frustrations we've had. But what's noteworthy is how the tactics of the cartels are just going to get more sophisticated. So if we're not getting more sophisticated ourselves, we're losing because this is not a stagnant situation. Yeah. It's it's a fluid situation. And they're they're adjusting to the landscape here politically. They're adjusting to uh, whatever technology is out there. They're adjusting to the uh, to where the American people are uh, mentally and I feel like we lose sight of it aside from, you know, conservative talk radio talks about it. But are you feeling like there's anyone um, who is across the aisle from you who is getting hip to this? It feels like there's more Democrats who are talking in sane terms these days, but not enough. Uh, what are your thoughts? Right. And that's the concern is that uh, for the past several years, we have had this fentanyl flowing in. We've had human trafficking coming in and uh, virtually an open border on our south. But yet we don't hear the Democrats talking about it um, just in Nevada. 
in Nevada between January and June of 2021, illicit fentanyl was involved in one of three overdose deaths. 34% of those deaths in Nevada. If you look at Pennsylvania, um, Bob Casey, you know, he's, he's a senator. We really need him to engage because overdose deaths in Pennsylvania rose by over 16% in 2020. And then if you go to Wisconsin, um, Senator Tammy Baldwin's state, uh, last year synthetic opioids, primarily fentanyl, were identified in 91% of the opioid overdose deaths. Um, this is ridiculous. And so these senators that, that have these deaths, these overdoses in their states, and it's affecting all of our states, we need them to step up and say, I'm going to do something about this. We're going to control the border. We're going to invest in our Border Patrol agents, and we're going to start focusing on some of these asylum requests. We have all these people. They've been coached by the cartels to say you're afraid for your life and claim asylum. We can't. We have to scrutinize those people, and then you know what? Send them back. Send them back. Because if they can't pay the cartels up front in cash for getting them over the border, what they're doing, they're using these people to smuggle in fentanyl. So we've got to end this epidemic here in the United States. We've got to get serious about it. And the Democrats have got to step up. Uh, so one thing you point out, which is really interesting, is that fentanyl is maybe coming through the port of San Diego. Maybe that's the epicenter of the drug trafficking right now. Uh, why would that be, considering, again, that is a more secure part of the border than so many others? And uh, it's uh, how did everyone miss this, including me? Well, it, it is because they do use vehicles. There's a lot of vehicle traffic. And uh -huh. so even though we can scan uh, vehicles, not every vehicle is scanned using X-ray technology. That's only when they're pulled into a secondary area where they can be screened uh, with additional dogs or, you know, that X-ray technology, and then they can see the denser packaged uh, packets of cocaine or fentanyl. Uh, but when they're just running through the ports of entry, they're showing their ID, they're showing, uh, you know, their visas, whatever paperwork is necessary to go through those lanes. And it's really up to those agents that are manning those booths. If they see something odd, then they can flag them over to that secondary screening area. But when you're trying to get 70,000 vehicles through a day, through 34 lanes, um, they're basically just checking their ID and flagging them on through. So there could be somebody that they know and that has been cleared to travel to the United States on a work visa. Maybe they go back and forth between San Diego and Tijuana, whatever it might be. They can be targeted by the cartels, and they can start moving drugs easily through, through that port of entry in their vehicle. Um, and it's only if they're exhibiting behavior that seems a little odd to the agent that the agent will flag them over for secondary screening. There are just so many people coming through this port, 
And while it is typically secure, um, they just don't have enough workers. They don't have enough dogs. They don't have enough technology to effectively scan each one of those vehicles coming through. So it's, it is such an issue, but there's so much that is coming into the country that Border Patrol is overwhelmed and Customs and Border Protection, they just don't have the type of technology that they truly need to catch everything coming into the United States. Uh, Senator, uh, did you get a chance to meet with Mexican officials? And if so, what did they say to you? And did you have any any, uh, confidence that they were actually going to help be helpful here? Oh, absolutely. We did have the opportunity to meet with Mexican officials, and we met with their, uh, it was Secretary Ebrard, who is the, uh, he is in the administration as the foreign minister. He is going to be running for president of Mexico as well. And so we were able to visit with him and a number of people on his team to address the fentanyl issue. I do feel like they are listening, uh, but we have to remember that there is corruption that is rampant through government, through the officials. The cartel reaches in and affects everyone. But I do think that they truly want to make a difference if they can, if they see that there's partnership with the United States. But this is where we have to do better about working on relationships with the Mexicans. Uh, They have an issue with American weapons that are being sold in Mexico. Uh, We have a lot of straw purchasers in the United States that are working with the cartels and funneling guns over the border into Mexico, which the cartels then use uh, when they're attacking uh, each other, when they are attacking targets of opportunity. Uh, So they have a concern with that. We have a concern with fentanyl. So let's work together to figure something out. I, I think the only way that we can conquer fentanyl and the migrant challenge at the border is if we're working with the Mexicans and they're only going to work with us if they can see us as being part of the solution not just part of the problem so we have a lot to do there but we want the Mexicans to step up they want us to step up and by having these conversations I think we should be able to arrive at some solutions. But, you know, this is what our borders are. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris was supposed to be doing, was working with some of these countries. Right. That's correct. And That's correct. we haven't seen that. Uh, Senator, let me ask you one last thing for today. Uh, you've done a good job, as usual, trying to uh, keep an eye on government waste. I know it's a, an impossible task, but you've kind of uh, anointed yourself the person in Washington who can try to do that. I know Rian Paul does his uh, uh, festivist stuff once a year, which is always always good. But uh, you have uncovered a lot of COVID abuse, um, people using COVID funds irresponsibly. What's the latest you've uncovered? Yes, um, we keep diving in. And, you know, Tom Coburn, God bless him, uh, former senator from Oklahoma, he used to do this as well. But we keep diving in and we keep finding expenditures that are going out to EcoHealth. It is the organization that was able to gain money through the National Institutes of Health. They had a grant. They were doing coronavirus experiments at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Wow, does that sound familiar? Wow. 
Wow. Yeah, so rings a bell. We had additional dollars that just went out last month from the Biden administration once again to EcoHealth in the amount of $3 million. And that was funded through the Department of Defense. And this is the organization, again, they were doing dangerous experimentation in China, and yet they were not being transparent. And we did find through an inspector general's report that they were misusing those funds, and yet we keep sending them money as a federal government. So we are trying to bar them from ever receiving federal uh, government funds again. Those taxpayer dollars can't keep flowing to organizations that do very bad experiments on our taxpayer dime and then don't even bother to have the transparency, um, which is required by law with that type of experimentation. Senator Joni Ernst, Republican from Iowa. Thanks so much for the time as always, and uh, we'll catch you soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Alex. My pleasure. I'm American made. I got American parts. I think a lot to producer Zach Jones for putting this together, and Robert Marlowe helps me pick topics. And all of you, listen to the show and tell people all about it. We will catch you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. I got some-